Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Justice Scalia is dead. His passing has sparked an intense battle. Lincoln Steed, who is very much alive, is here to explain what's going on. Lincoln? I'm, I'm, I'm mulling over the comparison with myself with Scalia. I'm flattered, <laughs> but uh, uh, particularly since I am alive. <laughs> yes, we're glad for that too, Lincoln. Yeah, Justice Scalia had become an institution even for those that disagree with him. He was a powerful presence on the Supreme Court. A lot of talk about the Supreme Court in certain areas on religious liberty and and certain uh, civil rights issues. Whether or not the general public knew much about him, I couldn't say. The Supreme Court is a, is a rather arcane institution. They're the third arm of the government. There's the uh, legislative, executive, and the judicial. And at the top of the judicial heap is the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. And Justice Scalia was sort of the bad boy of the court. He was, uh, I, I wish more of our listeners we're in the habit of, of listening to some of the uh, discussions from the Supreme Court. And he was always good for a few interesting moments. <laughs> he, he would uh, test the lawyers presenting the different cases, get them laughing and, and then probe and mock what they were saying and so on. One of the most vocal guys and, and very opinionated. I just wrote an editorial for Liberty Magazine about him and uh, recounted there many years ago when I, probably the 10 plus years ago when I... Uh, was fairly new in the job. I heard him about four or five times in quick succession. And uh, he managed to insult everybody there during their <laughs> dinner banquet. He gave the dinner address. And, and it was my Catholicism in your Protestant face <laughs> to the extreme. They actually, immediately he finished, they went into the side room and huddled about what to do. <laughs> but he was not backward at all. And yet he was funny. Several times uh, there at that event, and, and then also during that event, he went and lectured, and I went along and heard him lecturing to the students at the uh, State University in, in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, my beliefs, he says, you may not agree with them, he says, but you don't have to worry about me. He says, I'm constrained by my own model of the Constitution, mm -hmm. because he adhered rigorously, well, as rigorously as, as anybody probably could, to uh, a view of original intent of the Constitution. Mm -hmm pretty much take it as read, and if the reading was obscure, then look at what the uh, framers meant. Not as most of the judiciary do on the Supreme Court even, they look at it as a living document, right. sort of apply the principles expressed in it to the realities of the day. He wouldn't have any of that. And yet, as we listened to him, I mean, he was heavy on the death penalty. He was partisan in his religious views. In fact, he even said publicly a number of times that that uh, blue laws, religious Sunday laws, were not unconstitutional. He was in favor of those. Mm. So we always thought that he could cause problems. And the one area where he truly did, he was a, a moving force in, in one court case called the Smith decision, which held that religious ceremonies of uh, Native Americans that involved peyote yes. were not allowed under the rubric that while it was a religious practice, the law that condemned this was a generally applicable law. When he was saying these things, uh, do, do you do you know a little bit more about his background? I mean, was he a highly religious person growing up? Seems so. 
Mm-hmm. He, he uh, was certainly a, a faithful son of the Catholic Church and, and uh, Italian Roman Catholic family, very observant family values, loyal to the church and mm-hmm. so on, mm-hmm. uh, including having a big family. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, the, you, you can't easily find aberrations in his life that were out of sync with what he was claiming. He's dead now. Uh, I, I don't think we've heard the end of how he died. He was old enough and had enough underlying health problems, but very strange circumstances. And you can read anywhere from the regular newspapers to the uh, to the uh, radical, fanatical, lunatic fringe on the internet. But so many questions that there's there's a lot of buzz about. What, was there some foul play? Did he die alone? Why was his body dealt with in an unusual way? Why did no doctor on location determined cause of death and no autopsy mm. why he would you know everything sort of has the uh, aura of, of, of an attempt to hide something mm-hmm. and we may find out we may never find out but what's absolutely certain with him dead unexpectedly he was not the oldest nor the sickest on the supreme court right. we have the battled royal join because he was the most radical conservative on the court always counted on for a conservative opinion and as anyone that's listened to this program knows, the Republicans are digging in their heels and saying they will not approve any replacement this next year or this coming year. Mm. We'll see what happens. But of course, there's nothing in the Constitution that says, I mean, what it says is the president has the right to nominate Supreme Court justices and the uh, the uh, legislators confirm. And there's plenty of time in one year to get a successor through we're going to see a battle royal because the Republicans, of course, want and are determined to ensure that another conservative is put onto the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. To me, a lot of their fear shows that they're not at all certain that they would, or even hopeful that they will get the presidency after this election. Mm-hmm. If they could be sure of that, I don't see that they could. Let, they would just hold him off, but they, they, they think it's now or never. Trump just won a bunch of states. It looks like he's the front runner. He may be in contention. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you know, I can have opinions and you can have opinions, and I'm sure all of our viewers do. It's a little early to say definitively that he's a bad person or be bad for religious liberty. You know, it's been a catfight for a while and will continue for a while. And He doesn't have a great track record in government, so we can't really say. We do know that Trump is a little tone deaf on on deeper religious things i mean if two corinthians whatever <laughs> uh, signals that then i think we're we're right you know yeah. whether he would be uh, a problem on church state issues i don't know hmm. the problematic thing of, of the this pre-election i think is that it reveals on both uh, liberal and conservative sides that people are fed up with the way government is run okay and trump is clearly uh, a spoiler because he makes huge pronouncements that are very demagogic, whether he can deliver or not. But demagogues can be dangerous because the the crowd will will follow them because of their demagoguery and then go for extreme 
perhaps even illegal solutions. But there's no hard evidence that Trump would do that. Do we need to have this conservative, liberal mix in the Supreme Court? Well, you're leading me where I wanted to go. Thank you. Yeah. W wouldn't things just go a lot smoother if we just said, OK, we're going to be all conservative, we're going to be all liberal? Well, things would go more smoothly if if people would allow uh, uh, the different administrations the, the right to nominate someone and then look at them on their own merits when they come before the review. Mm -hmm. But for the last few decades, it's become very partisan. And there's the assumption that you're stacking the deck. And that bothers me more than anything, particularly in light of, of history. Scalia and Thomas, two of the most conservative on the court, have not deviated from their initial profession and they've lived up to expectations. But beyond them, I don't think anyone has. Yeah. And in the long history of the court, there's not a direct correspondence between the style of decision-making by the justice and the faction that's put them in. Mm. And so the idea that, that, first of all, that's been said widely that the court legislates from the bench is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not the intention. And I don't think it's always the reality. But it could become, if we expect that, they don't legislate from the bench. They're not to be partisan. And I think, by and large, they haven't been. But if we act on that assumption, we'll pretty soon get nothing but a court of partisans. Mm -hmm. The Constitution does not specify that these have to be judges or lawyers. Hmm. Hmm. And there have been some who were neither in the past. What they should be is a person of considered opinion uh, who will take their trust seriously and look in an open-minded and, and, of course, legally informed way on the issues that come to them. So if we get away from that, we're into uh, really an attempt to subvert the separation of powers. So I'm more worried about that larger dynamic than just whether the Republicans are going to dig their heels in now or, or if Obama's going to put a radical in. Very unlikely that Obama would do that because to put the most extreme person in will just be begging for the fight to be uh, worse than, than, than it will be. He's more likely to get a moderate through. The Bible, speaking to the end of times, gives one characteristic of end times as when the judges subvert justice. Hmm. It's very important in any system, particularly in the United States, where it's a, a part of the, the troika of, of the ruling structure. It's very important that they administer justice honestly and impartially. Has that been done to date, as far as you're concerned? Well, that's a loaded question. As many fellow religious liberty leaders would cry foul, like I said, the Smith case. Yeah. I think in the big picture, the Supreme Court is not the radical instrument people imagine. Mm. No, I think by and large, there's a little bleed through. On, on, it represents 
some of the uh, biases and assumptions of society. And of course, the Dred Scott case and things relating to uh, fixing up the problems that the Civil War was became fought, you know, was eventually fought over. By and large, no, I think the Supreme Court functions pretty well. There's a religious component to this, and it's at play. There's no question. Okay. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine. Our website, libertymagazine.org. I invite you to visit their listener. You'll find Lincoln's blogs waiting for you, these programs, articles to read, research material to provide you more information. Because as we've said many times on this program, it is knowledge that is power in this world right now. And boy, do we need all the knowledge we can get. Absolutely. That's libertymagazine.org. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.